Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat, and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FIWA podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and on today's episode, we have a very special guest. We have Lauren joining us today. So welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks for having me. I love talking about financial independence and all the things. So this is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. And just so that the listeners know, Lauren and I know each other because I actually precepted her back when I was in family medicine. She was one of my amazing students. And then when I transitioned into psychiatry, Lauren ended up being at the clinic that I ended up working at. So we actually were co-workers for a while. So that was really fun to circle back and end up being a colleague to a student that I had in the past. So I'm so excited to have you here today, Lauren. Yeah, that was the best. (laughs) Right? Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Lauren, for the listeners, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself as a PA so they can be caught up to speed? Of course. Yeah. So I went to undergraduate school at Michigan State and then PA school at Bethel University in Minneapolis um, and graduated in 2018. Um, So what is that like? five years or so, uh, so far as a PA. Um, and, um, I currently work in outpatient psychiatry. Um, and that has all, that's all that I've worked in, um, as far as specialty so far. Awesome. And so being a fellow psych PA also, would you share what you like about the specialty working in outpatient psychiatry? Oh, yes. I think biggest thing that I like is, well, Hard to hard to uh, skip over the flexibility piece of outpatient psychiatry. Um, there is a really nice balance as far well a very nice work life balance. Sure. Um, you know as far as that goes, um, but I I really love the piece of seeing people pretty frequently. So you're seeing your patients, you know, pretty frequently. So it's really a has been a great opportunity to really build relationships with them. Um, and, you know, helping them in their journey. So that's been really special, special to me in this specialty of psychiatry. So awesome. Yeah, I agree. I was curious how that would be coming from family medicine over to psychiatry if I would lose some of that continuity of care or follow ups with my patients. But yes, you definitely see many of your patients quite frequently, which I enjoy that part as well. And then since this is a financial podcast, would you mind sharing how much student loan debt did you end up graduating with from PA school? And then also, what was your plan at the time for paying back your student loan debt? Yeah, such a good question. So I I feel like maybe at some point later in the podcast, too, I'll circle back around to to it uh, as far as, you know, from a goal uh, perspective or standpoint. So 
graduating PA school, I had the exact number, you know, I think I've almost erased from my mind, but I think it was around $180,000. And then with my husband, set. So I graduated in 2018. I got married in 2018 too. So collectively we had around 200,000, um, in debt. And so, um, I, I want to preface too with, you know, obviously we'll be talking about, um, you know, real estate today. And as that's a way that we invest, um, that, uh, we were really in debt <laughs> and, you know, we've come a long way. And so, um, like I said, I'll circle back to that as, as an encouragement, hopefully to, to the listeners, but, um, yeah, so we had, you know, we'll just say around 200,000 of debt. Um, and at the time when we first got married, I would say our plan for paying it back was let's do this, you sure. know, let's put, um, as much in as we can per month or per paycheck um, and get it down as quickly um, as possible. And so that would, that, you know, went on for um, quite a while as I got my first PA school job. And I'll kind of just keep going on our journey as far as with student loan debt um, while we're on the topic of it. And so we were really, you know, putting in probably three thousand, I mean, plus, you know, in every single month towards wow, that's awesome. whatever we could, you know, at the time too, I should say we were living not in the best, you know, in a very cheap, <laughs> cheap housing. And so that was really helpful as far as like, okay, we're not putting all this money towards rent. So we can put a little bit more towards student loans. And so that was probably our first throughout 2019. And then a lot of you know about COVID-19 happening (laughs) and student loans being put on pause. Sure. And so I will say that when student loans became on pause, that's where we also paused a little bit as far as, okay, what do we, what do we want to what, what's our route here? What's our goal? Do we want to keep paying these down as you know rapidly as we have? I think at that point we might have been down to like 90, 100,000 or something along those around that. You know, I, I'm kind of just bringing thinking of the time. It's hard to remember exact numbers, but around that. And so we kind of were at a pause at that point with them being paused from the COVID-19 pandemic. And so, you know, that's where I can, I can pause there. Cause I know we're going to talk more about as far as just financial independence and different things. Cause this is kind of the, the point in our journey of where we, you know, decided to go some different routes as far as investing. Yeah. But so to all that to say, too, that's still where we're at with my student loans as far as amount as well. So awesome. Well, thanks for bringing us up to speed with those details. And before we go into the next part here, I also want to ask out of curiosity, do you feel like you and your husband have always been on the same page with finances? Or do you feel like one of you leans one way or tends to have a certain um, instinct or mentality of one way, and then the other one is a little bit opposite, and the two of you have to have discussions and try to compromise sometimes? Or how do you feel like the two of you work together when it comes to financial goals? Yeah. So I would say that my husband, Clint, has always 
as far as financial goals and investing in particular, he has always wanted to go the more particular real estate route. Sure. And so I, before him, I really had no idea what that even entailed. You know, I met him around 24, 25. Before that, it was just, I, it was not in my lingo at all or not in my, my knowledge. Um, so I didn't know anything about real, particularly real estate investing. And so that was all new to me, you know, how to the financial, you know, uh, or the, the, what comes with that, you know, as far as how you, you know, need to save and different ways to, to go about managing your finances was all very new to me. Um, however, I will say I got on board pretty quick. And so um, I was thankful that he, you know, was pretty passionate about it and was able to teach me a lot um, to where he really educated me around different types of investing. And so we've never thankfully necessarily been on the totally different pages. Um, but it's been an awesome, if anything, learning experience, not just about real estate, but investing just in general, because he's had some of that knowledge. So good. Yeah. Good teaching has come from him, which has helped shape my, my view of finances. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I was super excited to hear about the fact that you invest in real estate back when we used to work together and that you knew about the financial independence community and things like that. So I always encourage my listeners to you know try to feel out some of your coworkers, especially other fellow PAs, because it's really fun to have a local PA network that's into financial independence. But I'm curious, Lauren, how and when did you first learn about the concept of financial independence? Yeah, so I would say other than, you know, my husband having background knowledge on real estate investing in particular, uh, really like diving deep into financial independence, I first learned about it through our realtor who invited me to we and I don't think we had a house yet at this point sure. um, or any properties but she invited me to be a part of a group called win make give um, or that was the like course that we were diving into um, to learn about financial financial independence financial freedom another you know you could say too um, and so that's where it uh, that doing that course along with some other ladies who were like-minded um, really opened my eyes to the concept of financial freedom, financial independence. And that, that was back in probably 2019 or so. Sure. And back in 2019, what was it about what you were learning? That was such a light bulb moment for you. <laughs> yes. The phrase just came to my mind and I'm stealing it from when may give, but it's to do what you want when you want with who you want. Right. I love um, that. And that, yeah. And that is um, just the buzz, buzz phrase, I should say, of when make give that really sparked, you know, something in me of really do what you want, when you want with who you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, learning to approach that, not in like a selfish way, but in a, okay, actually this could be a really awesome way of, you know, Per, you know, living that out, but also stewarding our money really well. So yeah, definitely. 
And people tend to be concerned about using the word selfish, but I think that having boundaries and things like that and being a little bit of selfish with your time is super important and with your finances, at least while you're building wealth and, you know, then you can get to the point where you can give more and give of your time even along the way. So yes, I think that that phrase of, you know, doing what you want, when you want and with who you want throughout your life Mm -hmm. is a really nice place to be. So it's always a great goal to aim for and helps you protect your boundaries along the way too. Totally agree. (laughs) So let's talk more about real estate investing. I'm really excited to talk about this with you. Why did you and Clint decide to invest in real estate? Yes. So again, I had mentioned that he, you know, kind of had a lot of this background knowledge in, in real estate investing. And, you know, I think what it came down to is, and what I learned from the course is what are our goals? And particularly with real estate investing, that as we were diving more into it, maybe calculating out some scenarios, some numbers, real estate investing helped us or what we could perceive anyway was probably going to help us with our goals of, you know, and particularly goals being, okay, we don't want to work forever or we want to be home with with future kids um, or we want to be able to just, you know, give like crazy, whatever that might look like. And so that I think we have to take the step back and first figure out what our particular goals are as far as, you know, I just mentioned a few that we had. And so because we came up with these goals and okay, we, you know, if we can, we'd love to not work by age 40 or, you know, at first we're like age 35. (laughs) Um, And that's super ambitious and awesome. Um, But coming up with a list with yourself or with you and your partner um, about, you know, what you want life to look like, you know, when it comes to finances, but all these other areas too. Um, And for us, real estate investing helped us get there or is what we feel like is helping us get there. Now, there's so many amazing ways to invest. Um, And so this is just one area that, you know, it's not that it's an easier road than another one by any means. Um, But that's why we stepped into and started choosing real estate investing is because we felt like we could reach our goals, you know, relatively quickly. Obviously you got to work really hard with it within that, but um, that's, that's really why we chose that path. This particular path, I would say as far as like 90% of our investing goes. Sure. So talking a little bit about maybe some of the challenges that come with real estate investing, you have shared with me before about how you have bought some properties that needed improvements and some fixing up and things like that. So do you have any stories to share or to tell maybe some funny ones or some interesting ones that the listeners would find entertaining? Yeah, you know, with with any investing, there's going to be ups and downs and, uh, you know, having to turn a quarter quick and figure out what what to do. And, you know, I think as far as home improvements, so we have had to do a lot of those. We, as in mostly my husband, Clint, who's quite handy. Although I should say to you listeners, he started, you could say started from the bottom and YouTube university (laughs) is how he learned how to do 
everything. I That's kid awesome. you not. He did not have a parent teach him. Um, and so I say that to be an encouragement to people if they feel like they, you know, I could never fix something. I could never do that. But um, if you have the, you know, uh, stamina, perseverance in you, um, drive, you will figure it out how to put those floors in. So, <laughs> um, but you know, our first property, I think a fun story from our first one is the, so we, we bought our first duplex and the family, one of the, one of the sides of the duplex, the family had lived there for 25 years. I mean, green wow. carpet that's still in there. There's smokers. I mean, you go in there and you're like, oh boy, like, <laughs> what are we taking on? You know, and redoing that and gutting that out. And um, of course, there are tears along the way, right? Um, but what was cool about that is they were at first very distraught that we were having to kind of, you know, kick them out <laughs> to say lightly. Um, and we felt awful about that. But what was cool is it actually, after 25 years of renting, it drove them to buy a house and they ended oh. up totally upgrading and buying an amazing house in Maplewood, Minnesota. You know, sometimes they would still drive by as we lived there and showed us pictures of their house oh, that's cool. <laughs> that they that they lived in and were super proud to, you know, now own something themselves. And so that was really special. It ended up, you know, we were really nervous because um, at first they were upset to kick them out and then it turned out to be um, a really a really great thing for that family. Um, so that was pretty fun. As far as other remodel things, I mean, uh, goodness, that's really what stands out to me as far as like a fun story. But um, yeah, we've we've had to do lots of remodeling, and so um, that certainly comes with comes with real estate investing, just depending on what type you like to do. But sure. <laughs> for our budget, you had to do some remodeling. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And do you both still self-manage the properties or do you work with any manager at all? Yeah, as of right now, we self we do self-manage. So um, I would say Clint probably does majority of that. We'll self-manage. His job just right now is much more flexible. So if a tenant will text him in the middle of the day, you know, he's able to respond often more quickly to that. Um, so right now we're self-managing. So we'll see how, you know, continue to see how that goes until it feels too much. Sure. Has it been going well so far over the years? Yeah. Yep. Um, I think that's a good, good question. And I, we love to talk to people about, there just sparked a question of me or, or to, or something to, to cover because I think a lot of times, um, at least what I thought too, before I knew much about real estate investing is it seems like tenants are always going to be doing this or everything's always going to be breaking. And so you're going to be fixing things all the time. And sure, if you buy a 1900 home or something really old like that, you might have more, you're more likely to have more repairs and things like that going into it. But, you know, my husband always says every way of, re of investing or j just like having a job comes with headaches. Sure. And so naturally, you know, real estate can come with them too. But, you know, thankfully, it's been a really great experience and headaches 
things that come up are relatively few and far between. I think if we were to, we joke about it, like if we were to compare it to another job or something, um, that the headaches, you know, and when they do come up, as long as you just are honest with your tenants and, you know, respond and, you know, or you try to do your best to fix the problem, usually issues and problems are fixed pretty quickly. Um, and so, you know, part of financial independence too, going back to is having an emergency fund. And I'm sure you've talked about that on here before. And so, you know, if you can build that up a little bit, if a basement floods, which we've had that happen a couple times, oh, wow. um, or something backs up um, as far as like plumbing, you know, okay, we're just going to bite the bullet. We've got an emergency fund. That's why we have this. We're sure. just going to have somebody else do it, take care of it, and then it's done. And so, you know, I say that as an example, but hopefully not to scare people away. Of course, things like that do come up, but um, you'd be surprised at the amount of headaches, you know, as far as them being pretty few and far between. So Awesome. Yeah, it's interesting because the emergency fund you are touching on, my suspicion is that it's mostly an emergency fund for your properties, and then you very likely have a personal emergency fund too. So that is interesting to think about that you have to have extra funds just in case for those properties in addition to your personal potential financial emergencies too. Totally. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And there are so many ways that you can do real estate investing, but I'm curious, what kind of properties do you have? Yeah, so we, maybe I can give a little background as far as how we got to this too, because I want to encourage listeners just as far as, you know, where we were with debt um, and how we got to where we are now with, we have five properties. And so you know, starting off with, like I said, $200,000 of debt, we paid it down, we worked a lot, we lived, you know, we lived very, I would say below our means. And so really frugal with money and things like that. And so then we decided to save and buy our first duplex. Um, we particularly wanted to do a duplex. And so it's far less glamorous than a single family home, I will say. Um, but we knew that as one of our goals, like I mentioned, was, okay, at least one of our first goals is can we live for free? Can we not get, eliminate rent um, or a house payment? And so we decided to uh, and buy a duplex. And with that in particular, we did an FHA loan as it was our first home. Um, and we'll talk about resources at the end as far as what is FHA and where, how do I learn about these different things? So we bought our first duplex and because of rent prices, you know, at that point with, with that home, we were able to live for free. And so because we were, had tenants on the other side, we lived in one side, we did not have a, you know, a mortgage or a house payment. So because of that, we were able to start saving more. Okay, we're, we're able to save more from our paychecks. And so that led to, and my husband also is working as well, but that led to our second property that fall, which was also a duplex. And then so that was our second property. And that one, we need, we didn't live in that. And so we were able to cash flow from that second one, which means once you pay the mortgage, whatever is left is goes in your pocket is, is kind of that investment piece. So 
Uh, so our second one um, was a duplex as well. Then because of that, we were again able to, it's kind of almost, reminds me of a snowball effect a little bit. So we were able to continue to keep saving. So then our third property um, actually came out of nowhere, um, which was really cool. It came out of nowhere in the sense of, you know, my husband, as he is just has an eye for certain situations, scenarios with real estate. His mom actually was wanting to sell her single family home. And so we ended up working out. She tried to sell it. It was this whole thing. We didn't even think about buying it, to be honest. And then um, after like a year of her trying, Clint said, well, what if we buy that, fix it up, rent it, you know, that sort of thing. And so we ended up with our third property being a single family home uh, that little did we know was a hot market. Um, So renting that, we were able to rent it pretty high and quickly and worked out um, a deal with his mom as far as buying it. And so because of that, the snowball was able to keep rolling as far as, okay, now we're cash flowing, I don't know, let's just say. $2,000 a month. So we don't have a, you know, a more house payment, but then on top of our salaries and things like that, we're bringing in 2000. I don't know the exact number, Um, but that was then able to lead us to um, our fourth property, which was just this last year. And it's in a, I will say this too, we are in, we're outside of the Twin Cities. So we're not in a we're, you know, real estate is hot everywhere. Um, mortgages are high, you know, prices are still high, but we invest as of right now, most of our properties are in Wisconsin in smaller markets. And so that means, you know, houses are cheaper, that sort of thing. So because of that, we were able to buy our fourth this past summer um, in a smaller market in Wisconsin. And that was a duplex as well. Um, and so Again, snowball kind of rolling. We got both sides rented finally. And so then we were able to cash flow from that after the mortgage. And then most recently, as in Tuesday, as of Wednesday, <laughs> we acquired our fifth um, duplex. And again, I'll circle back to resources. Uh, how we were able to acquire this fifth duplex was through um, something called creative financing um, with where you work with the seller. So us as buyers work with the seller to kind of come up with with a, a payment plan, if you will, of, of owning the property over time. So the seller acts as the bank, essentially. Sure. So you avoid mortgage and and a lot of other things like that. And so it's called seller finance. Um, so again, that'll be in some of the resources we talk about later. But um, so that is how we got to our five. And then what reminds me, though, of, of mentioning about our five properties is we throughout because we st- we started with talking about student loans. I don't want to forget to mention this. We have not really touched those. <laughs> and so Again, as our goal, you know, as we were talking through goals and what we wanted, paying those off became kind of down on the list as far as importance. And so you might be like, how are you coming up with all this money? How are you, you know, how do you pay for some of these down payments and things? Um, I will say that throughout the whole pandemic, you know, we personally chose just with our, what we want to achieve. Like I said, goals, you got to 
think about those for yourself. Um, but we chose not to pay off our student loans. So those are still, unfortunately, they're coming back now, but those stayed where they were. So we didn't put any money into those. And so that also, I will say, if the pandemic didn't happen, we probably would have had a little bit of a different story here as far as properties, but because we didn't have to dump all the money into student loans. Just wanted to note though that we that's one of the reasons why we were, you know, kind of able to go on this path. So again, everybody has, you know, unique uh investing strategies. Um, and so that's just how we how we got where we are with our five properties. And then I should say where we live currently, we are we decided to Airbnb the other ah, side. So okay. we do have one short-term, one unit that is a short-term rental as well that we're experimenting with. Very interesting. Well, thanks for breaking that down for us. So it sounds like with the five properties, four of them are duplexes. So there you have Mm -hmm. what are called nine doors. Real estate investing usually talks about doors that are part of the properties. But then you have another short-term rental now that you're testing out Airbnb but then the rest were the long-term rentals. So that's super yes. interesting, Lauren. Thank you for sharing that. So I want to talk about the short-term rental in a little bit too, mm-hmm. but let's go back to the majority of your rentals being long-term rentals. What was the decision behind going that route versus short-term rentals, even midterm rentals or things like that? Yeah, I would say particularly for the ease of long-term renters, opposed to short-term or mid-term. We, particularly with our long-term rentals, have we pretty much always sign a two-year lease. Um, and so it's a little bit more hands-off in that sense is where we don't have to turn it over as often. Sure. Um, long-terms just tend to be a little bit easier, less work. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, they all come with work if things come up, but ultimately the long-term rentals are far more hands-off. Very cool. And so how long have you had this short-term rental for and how has that been going? Yeah. So um, we have had it since August of this year. We we, we launched our Airbnb um, in River Falls, Wisconsin here. And so we live, so it's a duplex that we live in. So we live on one side and then the other side is a short-term rental. We've always been intrigued by short-term rentals. Um, you know, we've always dreamed like, oh, I'd love one in Florida. Let's do that. You know, so on, for a while we're looking up houses to buy in Florida. And ultimately we decided to just start it with where we're living. So next sure. door. And are we glad that we did that? <laughs> um, because if somebody needs something or hot water heater breaks. I mean, yes, you could totally call a plumber and figure it out that way, but it's been really nice being right next door as we are learning. Um, But we've just been really intrigued by Airbnb, short-term rentals for the financial benefits that you can have or you can gain from them um, to where you might be making double. There's a potential to make double, triple what you put in rent as a long-term renter. Trade-off is more work. You know, sure. turnovers and thing, things like that. But we thought, okay, this is a pretty low risk as far as we live next door. Our mortgage on this house particularly is very low, where if you buy a newer home nowadays and have a really large mortgage, it might feel pretty risky um, and nerve wracking if you don't get it filled 
or rented through Airbnb or VRBO or for short-term rental. Um, and so we felt like, okay, this is a relatively low risk. Mortgage is pretty low. We just need it to rent X amount of times per month to kind of break even, if you will. And so that's why we thought, let's give it a try. That's awesome. Super exciting. And out of curiosity, are you both self-managing and doing the cleaning and flipping between the short-term renters as well? Yeah. So as far as next door with our short-term rental, we were cleaning it at first and then it started to pick up. And so we hired cleaning because that just made things a lot more <laughs> a lot more easy on us and that we didn't have to worry about it or if we were out of town. So we are self-managing as far as the apps go and managing bookings and people messaging you questions and things like that. We do all that right now with the one and it has felt very uh, doable. I think especially because we're not, we're really not booked all the time where we are. It's not a very popular area. Um, So it's been pretty easy to self-manage. And then we just, we hired a cleaner probably about two, a month or so ago, which has been helpful. Awesome. That's great to take some of that off of your plate while you're trying to figure it out at least and see how it goes. Yeah. And so it sounds like you haven't sold any of your properties yet. Do you plan on keeping them for many, many years to come? Or is part of your guys' plan to potentially sell some of them and maybe, you know, roll the profits into another property in the future? Or have you guys had that discussion yet? Yeah, that's a great question. So as of right now, we do not plan to necessarily sell any. However, with two properties, um, we would plan to refinance them in order to, so you can do something where you can refinance the house and take, because one of our houses, we have a pretty high mortgage because we just got it this summer. So people, you, you know, might know that mortgage rates were really high. So if a mortgage rates decrease significantly, um, we would probably refinance that, take the money out and put it into a new property. Same with the other, the single family home as well. We would plan to refinance it, put a mortgage, you know, change the mortgage up and take money out and invest those into more properties. That would be the goal with those as far as once mortgage rates decrease. So we have thought about that. As far as our other properties, the mortgage rates are very low. And so we probably, you know, for them being like 2.9, it just is tough to sell that. um, Unless somebody was to approach us with what I mentioned earlier, a seller finance deal or situation, we'd be open to something like that. So as of now, we're you know, keeping keeping the course until those mortgage rates decrease. It's totally valid and fingers crossed that they do somewhat soon. <laughs> Agreed. So we've talked a lot about your real estate investing journey. What type of resources have you and Clint found to be helpful throughout this journey? Yeah, so I had mentioned um, Winmate Give earlier. And so um, Winmate Give is, it's just a website. Um, and again, this is I believe it, it's a free course um, and it was 
very in, you know, it, it came with podcasts. So you'd follow each week. There was a week one, you know, week two. And then it came along with a free workbook that you could work, that you could walk through. And it really dives into, it breaks everything down. So you can see really where you're at financially. And what I love is the um, podcast host, Ben Kinney. Um, I mean, pretty much grew up with nothing and walks through his journey of investing or just, you know, to become financially independent. And it's really encouraging um, because everybody can do it. If you feel, if you are determined, Um, you can become financially free, you can become financially independent. And it starts with just looking at where you're at. Like, you know, we just have to see where we're at and you got to start from somewhere. And so his course or this podcast with the with the workbooks, I highly recommend. Um, and so that's winmategive.com. And then you can go to particularly the the course is called the wealth series to uh, the wealth series. And the, I'm on the website now looking at it, it's 2.0. Um, and so that is where we really dove into the nitty gritty of finances, where we're at. Okay, now how can we make steps forward? And then the other resource um, I have would be the podcast called Bigger Pockets, which maybe a lot of people have have heard of before as well. There is so many episodes, um, but if there's like one particular thing about real estate you want to know, they probably have a podcast on it. Um, So they have a podcast on everything real estate. I would say that's a podcast we listen to a lot, a lot on road trips, um, all the up to date, you know, getting up to date with real estate and mortgages. And, and so um, that's a great resource as well. Yeah. Bigger Pockets is definitely one that I have listened to some of the podcast episodes on too. They also have some books and then with their podcast, they have offshoots of other podcasts. So it's this giant network that Bigger Pockets has where they have all different types of resources for people who are interested in potentially real estate investing. But I will mm-hmm. include that resource along with Winmake Give in the show notes for today's episode. So thank you for sharing those resources today. Yeah. And one thing I, that popped into my mind as you said that when you said books is the classic book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, sure. um, that I had never heard of, never read before my husband had told me about that book that he read like in high school. And I think that's what really intrigued him about real estate investing in particular. Um, but if anything, just, you know, managing money and um, how to how to try to navigate that well, that's a great, easy read book as well. Definitely. I will also include the link to that book in my show notes too, because I agree that that's a very interesting book and it opens up your mind to looking at the world a little bit differently too. And we're going to segue a little bit to talk about a different topic besides real estate investing. And this is super exciting, but you, Lauren, and your husband, Clint, are expecting your first kiddos. So I'm so excited for you. Congrats on that. Thank you. We're excited. It's coming up quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just around the corner here. So I was glad I was able to snag you on here for being a guest today. But I'm curious with your first kiddo on the way, what type of financial planning and preparation have you guys been doing to feel more ready? Yes. Great question. So again, going back to the goal, um, uh, topic, if you will, that I was talking about before. It's been 
you know, having kids and what to do with as far as work has been something we've thought about for the last like couple of years, I think particularly as we've been real estate investing and chose to do that. And so um, thankfully it has not been something we've kind of been frantically trying to save, you know, in the last couple of months or, you know, frantically do once we found out we were having a baby. Um, and so it all just came back to, okay, a goal of ours is how can we potentially be home more than not? Um, and so with that came, how do we, you know, saving and, you know, living far below our means with a lot of things, you know, calculating out what do we really need each month to live? And then from there, of course, you've got, you know, travel funds and, or travel expenses and things that are, you know, you don't want to necessarily miss out on if, if you, you know, can, um, or if you can avoid that, but doing that and having the, you know, already having that goal on our mind of how can we potentially decrease hours as we have, have kids, you know, with our jobs, mine, particularly being a W2, you know, how can, how can I go have that potential to maybe be at home? Like I said, more days than not. And so um, it's been a kind of a journey, a more long journey of preparing um, and just trying to be conscious of our financial choices so that we are able to build up more of a savings or more of an emergency fund um, as we enter into parenthood and as we decide or yeah, as we decide to what to do as far as hours with work and can I go down, can I not? Um, and so again, <laughs> kind of a long answer, but that's really, it's been kind of a few years, I would say, of preparation as far as, because we had that goal in mind. And so because of that, okay, how can we make some changes now that that could potentially be a possibility when we event, when we eventually have kids? That's awesome. I love that. And then besides real estate investing and preparing for your baby, what other financial moves have you guys done in addition to paying back some of your student loan debt over the years too? Yeah, um, I would say we've done a bit of 401k investing. Uh, so investing in a 401k and a Roth IRA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an expert at those. <laughs> um I will say it's been pretty minimal. It's been, I would, you know, probably ninety-five percent real estate investing, and sure. you know, more five around Roth IRA or in in the um, stock market, if you will. Sure. So, so that's where that is, and then yeah, of course, hanging on to student loans. But now that those are back in auto pay, so working on you know getting getting those down. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it sounds like the two of you have done tremendously well over the years since you haven't graduated that long ago from PA school. It sounds like only five short years. So that's amazing all that you guys have done. So congrats on all of that. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun, fun journey. And, you know, we love we love talking about it because we were just in such a financial blah place. Um and, you know, we had credit card debt too when we first got married. And so um, it just, it feels really impossible at that point, but it's really fun now 
with where we're at and the, you know, so you could say sacrifices, you know, that were made that comes with, you know, walking towards financial freedom. Um, we just love to encourage people in that. So, yeah, that's awesome. And do you have any other words of advice for the listeners on their way to financial independence besides what we've covered so far today? You know, just reiterating, um, if, if it's something that you really want, you, you totally can attain it, you know, as far as financial freedom, financial independence, and, and not to compare your journey to anybody else's, but just start with, you know, really looking at where you're at and then there's no shame in where you're at, right? <laughs> Even if it's negative a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt, you know, there's no shame with where you're at. It's a starting place. And, you know, if you continue to persevere, it'll only get better from there. Yeah. So just, you know, want to encourage, um, if it feels like a really, really impossible situation that it's not and little steps and little changes actually, you know, <laughs> make the biggest difference. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like so many people are scared to truly assess their finances and feel overwhelmed and just almost this feeling of being paralyzed to even get started. But just as you mentioned, it's really important that you face the facts and see where you're starting from. And like you said, any small step, you can only go up from there, right? Totally. Yep. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today, Lauren. If any of the listeners are interested in reaching out with you with questions or wanting to connect with you on social media or anything like that. Would you mind sharing how they could touch base with you? Yeah, I would say um, happy to have listeners reach out on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Lauren Novinsky on there. I'd say that's that's a great way to to reach out. So, Okay, cool. I'll include a link to your LinkedIn account in the show notes as well. Awesome. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today, Lauren, and I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you and Clint and your new kiddo on the way on your way to financial independence. Thanks again. Thanks, Kat, for having me. This was a fun conversation. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.